Uh, today we'll be reading out of the book of James. We'll be reading uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 12, continuing on the Elder Series. I just want to say before we start, this is it's such an honor to be here. Uh, such a privilege, not just to, to be able to be here and share God's word, but to serve with men, these elders and this staff. It's, I, I can't express how wonderful it is to have men that you can trust and believe in and men that you know are truly after the heart of God to, uh, to work with and, and support you and, and help you to do God's will. So I'm, I'm proud to be here and I'm honored to be here. And, and uh, those of you who know me know that it's a miracle that I am here, amen. So uh, book of James 3, verse 1 through 12, it says, not many of you should become teachers. Uh, King James Version says masters. Uh, for us, basically today we're talking about elders. Not many of you should become elders for you know that we will, be, we will teach to be judged with a, a greater strictness. That who will teach will be judged with a greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, a mature man, a Christian, a, a mature person, a Christian, a uh, complete Christian. Also able to bride his whole body. If we put bits and mouths of horses so, they, so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, straining the whole, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has, tamed, has been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord our Father, and we curse the people who are made in the likeness and the image of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can the salt, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let us pray. Father God, we're so, so privileged to be here today. God, there's so many countries, God, today that this is not allowed or it's, it's discouraged in so many ways. Father, even in this country, we have people that don't think that we should be allowed to do this or don't understand why we come here and meet every Sunday. But God, this is a privilege and this is an honor to be here in front of you and to praise your name and to glorify you for who you are and what you do. So God, we just pray that you have your way today. That you'll just open our hearts today, Father. I pray today, God, that you'll help us to understand this word and to take it and put it on the tablets of our heart. Father, let this word impact us in such a way today that it will stay with us for the rest of our lives. And not only will it affect and change our lives, God, but it will also reach those around us and affect and change theirs as well and help them to come to know and understand who you are and how much you love them. God, I pray this every day and I pray it today. Father, I pray that you put your arm around my shoulder, slide your hand over my mouth, let everything I say today and let everything I do today 
glorify your name in some way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Y'all, please be seated. <laughs> I'm not going to leave you hanging today, I promise. I still get teased about that, and that's what, two years ago? But uh, I just want to say, before I start on, on this message, uh, I just want to say how much I love you, how much I love each and every one of you. I love Iron City Baptist Church. I love everyone in here. This, this is my place of refuge. I look forward to Sunday mornings. Some people, you know, they get up and they, well, I got to go. I hear people say, well, I got to go to church and I got to do this. I look at it like I get, and we talked about it in our Sunday school class this morning, our Connection Group class this morning. I get to come to church. I'm absolutely just thrilled to death that I get to come to church, that I get to come to a loving church, a church that is true, and a church that the people are truly here for the right reason, seeking God. Not looking at what everybody else is doing, not trying to impress anybody, simply seek God. So I just want to tell you that I love you, and I thank you for having me here today and, and giving me this opportunity. And uh, normally, in a, in a message like this, normally I would say, um, I pray that you don't get offended, you know, might step on some toes. But this message is not that kind of message. This message, I'm not, I'm not concerned about us being offended. I'm concerned about us not taking it to heart and not applying it to our lives every day because this is a powerful message. For me, this is a power, powerful message. So I pray today that you'll take this message to heart and that you'll, that you'll hear what God's telling us here today. And don't just, don't just stop it at this sermon, but to continue to study it during the week. James 3, 1 through 12, and it's talking about the tongue. Now, personally, uh, my tongue has gotten me in more trouble than anything else in my life. And my wife just said amen. I'm sure I see her nodding her head over here now. <laughs> Penny's like, yeah, that's, still does, still does. So know this, none of us are perfect. And we're going to read that in the scripture here. None of us are perfect. None of us, not elders, not pastors, nobody. But, uh, but we will pay the price and we'll pay the consequences if we're not careful. And if we don't learn to tame our tongue, it'll hurt us and it'll hurt others in the, in the midst. So verse 1 says, not many... Not many of you should become teachers. My brothers, you know that, that, uh, that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, as it should be, as it should be. I tell you, when, when we teach God's word or we come up here and, and, and preach in this pulpit, we don't take it lightly. We don't take it lightly in any way whatsoever. It is, it is a privilege and an honor, but it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary, you know, because you, you really want to make sure that you're obedient 100% to God. And I found the best way to do that is just get out of the way and let the word speak. Let, let God's word speak through us and be a vessel. It says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, also able to bride his whole body. So what, you say, what the Bible's saying there, what James is saying there is if, if we're not perfect, no one is. We're going to make mistakes, right? We're going to fail. We're going to fall. But we get back up. But he said he's a perfect man is able to bridle. And if anyone stumbles in what he says, if in, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. Perfect, by the word perfect there, the Bible is talking about complete, being a mature Christian, reaching that level of perfection towards God's will. Not perfection in our lives because there's no way. And we're going to see here that it says no man can tame the tongue. We can't, can, we can't tame it. We can't contain our tongue. And, and I think you all agree with that. But God can. God can move through us. And he can make us perfect 
in his eyes, in his will, he can make us perfect by being complete in him and by being mature as a Christian. So verse 3 said, if we put bits in the mouths of horses that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And uh, let me stop right there and I want to share this with you a little bit. I, I kind of was reading through this and I, I kind of ran through that and then I started going into talking about ships. But then the Lord said, hold on a minute, slow down. Let's talk about this. Let's break this down. Let's meditate on this. Let's take this and chew on it for a little while and let's see what this means. So it says that in verse 3 it says, if we put bits in the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. So basically he's giving us an analogy here of horses, how we put bits in horses to get them to obey us so that they will do our will and they will take us where we want to go. So with us, it's kind of it's the same way. It's kind of the same way with us with God. And I want to I wanna look at this analogy real quick. I uh, want to talk about uh, three connections, uh, uh, three, uh, uh, three connections this morning, three-piece connection. I want to talk about three pieces that go on a horse, if you're going to ride a horse, and, and CJ and JP own a couple of horses, y'all know what I'm talking about. There's, there's a three-piece connection if you're going to get a horse to obey you and do what you want them to do and take you where you want them to go, where you want to go and what you want to do. It's, uh, you, you have a, a bridle, you have a bridle, a headset, and what you do is you put, this, you put this bridle over the horse's head. You put this bridle over the horse's head, and the first thing you do is you put what's called a bit in his mouth. And a lot of y'all, I know y'all know what I'm talking about. A lot of y'all probably going, this guy don't even know what he's talking about. I can tell you so much more. But I'm just, I'm just telling you what a little bit I know about horses. And I know that in order to, for me to ride a horse, that I have to have a bridle on that horse. I have to have a bit stuck in his mouth so that uh, I can control him to go and to, and to stop and pull, pull him when I need to. So the first one, and uh, if you have your... If you have your sermon notes with you, uh, we're not going to be on the screen today, so y'all bear with me. Uh, if you have your sermon notes with you, the first, the first fill in the blank is, is a bit. Bit is a, it holds the tongue down. It guides a horse. It's a bar that goes in the horse's mouth over the top of his tongue. And this bit is used to guide the horse and to, to get him to go forward, to get him to stop, turn, whatever you need to do. So number, number one is bit. Uh, the bit is all uncomfortable at times. I'm sure as you can imagine, it sits on the side of his mouth. Uh, sits on top of his tongue. But the good thing about a bit is it holds the horse's tongue down. And when I, when I thought about that, I thought, well, man, that's what I need. I need a guy to put a bit in my mouth sometimes and hold my tongue down. <laughs> As I'm telling you, if he wants me to go where he wants me to go and he wants me to do what he wants me to do, he's going to have to put a bit in this big mouth and he's going to have to hold this tongue down. And then he's going to have to also use that bit to stop me and to move me, you know, when I need to move and when I need to stop what I need to say and what I need to not to say. This is, uh, it's, next, it's necessary for this connection to work, this three-piece connection. It's necessary for the bit to be there. It's one part of it. Uh, second, fill in the blank is, the bit is connected to the bridle. The bridle is a part that goes over the horse's head and it holds it all together, holds the bit and holds the reins. It connects it all together, keeps it all together. So one's no good without the other. If you didn't have a bridle, the bit would fall off. If you didn't have a bridle, the reins would have nothing to, to grab onto to turn. So there's a bridle that is connected that holds the bit and, uh, and holds the reins together. And the reins 
are held in the owner's hand. We'll get to that in a little bit. The, uh, the bridle is one of the most important pieces of the connection, the three-piece connection in riding a horse because the bridle holds it all together. The bridle connects one to the other. It connects the bit to the rein, and that gives you full control over the horse. Now, you can see where this analogy is going, right? We're talking about the bridle here is Jesus Christ. He connects us to God. He connects us to the Holy Spirit. He helps us stay connected and work together to take God where he wants us to go, to go where he wants us to go and take him where he wants us to take him. Take his word to the world. Uh, third piece is the reins. The reins are the ropes on the side, the leather pieces on the side that you use to turn the horse and to guide the horse. Uh, I'm doing English style here. Never mind. The reins, you use to turn the horse, to guide the horse. Uh, I don't ride English style, so I don't, I don't know why I did that. Uh, the reins are used to direct the horse, to tell the horse what direction you want them to go into. And if the horse doesn't want to go in the direction that you tell him to go to, you can pull on those reins a little bit, and he really doesn't have much of a choice because if you turn the neck, you turn the body. You know, I say this all the time, joking in our connection class, but uh, my old pastor used to say, the man is the head of the household. The woman is the neck. It's the neck that turns the head. <laughs> so without the neck, the head don't work, don't turn. So the reins can actually turn a horse whether he wants to or not. The reins can turn a horse into the direction that the owner wants it to go. And God can do that with us as well. If we're, if we're connected, then we can be turned to go in the direction that he wants. So just talking about that, talking about horses, talking about the connection, talking about the usefulness of, of the reins, it, there's no freedom, no sense of freedom like riding a horse. I don't know if, if it, we have a lot of riders in here that have rode horses over the years, but there's a sense of freedom when you're riding a horse. When you've got everything connected, you've got the reins, you've got the bit, you've got the bridle, you've got everything set up, you've got the saddle, you know it's tight, everything's good. And you get out there and you're starting off, you ride a little bit, and then you come across a field or a good long strip or some kind of, uh, maybe even people take them on tracks, I don't know. But, but there's something about coming to a field and just looking at it and knowing that, hey, well, I'm connected to this horse. He wants to run. I want to run. Let's do this. And so you start... You start getting him a little bit. You start getting him excited. You start making him run a little bit. And there's just some sense of freedom when you're running wide open on a horse. Even though in the back of your mind, it's a scary feeling. Because you're thinking to yourself, hey, we hit, a, we hit a hole. We hit something, you know, run up on something. It could be bad. I mean, horse, I don't know if you rode horses, but they can fly. And when you're on one, it, it's no, there's not being in the car. There's no protection. But there's a sense of freedom when you're connected to that horse. You know he wants to run. You know you want to run. And the two of you are in the same mindset, the same accord, and you fly. And you just run. You just run. There's nothing else on your mind. There's no work. There's no kids. There's nothing else on your mind but just running as hard and as fast as you can and just feeling free. Feel the wind blowing and what few hairs you have left if you're like me. But you, it just sense a freedom. And I feel it's the same way with God. If you'll get connected to God in such a way that he can use a bit to hold your tongue, that he can use his reins to turn you in the direction he wants to take you, that you'll trust in the bridle that is there and it is going to work and he's going to take you and bless your life. If we get connected to God like that, it will give you a sense of freedom that you can't imagine. It, it will set you free. 
the truth will set you free. Amen. Um, here in verse 4, it says, look at the ships also. They are so large and are driven by strong winds and are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the, wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also is the tongue a small member, but it boasts of great things. So when I've read that, and, I, and I've read it before, and the same thing comes to mind every time, the Titanic. The Titanic comes to mind every time I read that scripture. You know, that ship was, was designed to be the best of the best. This is it. As a matter of fact, the captain of that ship said that God himself can't sink this ship. Be careful because the tongue has a power of death and life. The Bible tells us that. Not even God himself can sink this ship. They had everything laid out exactly. This, this was the ship of ships. They had built so many, but this one was it. This was it. I mean, this was going to be the luxury liner on his, on his maiden voyage. First time on, out on the water on an actual run. Everything was going fine. Now, we know the story. Y'all know about this. Everything was going fine, but they took a couple things for granted. For one, they got greedy, decided they wanted to move a little faster, pushed it a little more than they should have pushed it. Two, they assumed that they would be able to see icebergs and that they would be able to move around them quick enough if they come upon them. But what happened is they were going a little too fast. They underestimated the fact that this particular iceberg, was what you could see was not the whole thing. It was a, a lot of an underwater, which that, that'll preach in itself right there. <laughs> you know, what you see is not always what you see and what is there. But when they came up to this iceberg and they seen the iceberg and they, they hit the panic alarm, they started hollering iceberg, iceberg, iceberg straight ahead. You know. When they seen the iceberg and they hit the panic button, they immediately did what they do, what they always do, the procedure they always take. Start turning the rudder, start turning the ship, go around the iceberg. But with the speed that they were at, with the fact that they couldn't see real good because of the fog and they were so close to it and the iceberg being so far under the water coming out as far as it did, they couldn't make it in time. They couldn't make it in time. And the ship hit the iceberg, and tore, tore a hole in the hole, and we know the story. A lot of people lost their lives that day. Now these people got on that, that ship being told, hearing and echoing in their mind that this is the greatest ship in the world. This is a ship that God himself couldn't sink because it has been built so well by man. I'm telling you, no matter what will you have, no matter how strong you are, if you think that you're okay on your own and that you're going to make it on your own and that you can do this, you're going to run in situations like this that creep up on you. And by the time you realize it, it's, it's too late. It's too late. So we have to be connected. We have to have a three-piece connection to our God, to God the Father. Just like in the horse, just like with a ship, we have to know that we have weaknesses. We can't think that, hey, man, I'm strong, I'm a self-made man, I can do anything in the world. We have to know that we have to depend on him. So our three-piece connection to God our Father, I, I wrote down three, three things that I think are important for us to think about as we talk about the tongue. And I want you to go back and remember, keep this in the back of your mind, that the tongue is a fire from hell that stains the entire body, that there's power of death and life in the tongue. So don't underestimate the power of the tongue. One, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit holds our tongue and guides us to move. 
We have to have the Holy Spirit working on our hearts. The only way to do that, the only way that's possible is for us to give our lives to Jesus Christ, to surrender to him and ask him to be the Lord of our lives, to be saved, to be baptized, to be a child of God. The Holy Spirit will then dwell within inside of our hearts and will guide us in everything we do. Again, we go back to what the scripture says, the tongue is an un, is, is untainable, un, excuse me, untamable by man. It's impossible for man to tame the tongue. But God, through the Holy Spirit, can guide us, and even us, even we, can control the tongue. Holy Spirit holds our tongue, guides us to move. Jesus is our bridle. Jesus is our bridle that connects us to the Father, connects us to the Holy Spirit, keeps the three pieces together. The three in one work together in our lives through Jesus Christ. And then three, God's word. God's word, God's word reigns. God gives us the desired direction to go in our lives. If you're having problems in your life, you're struggling in your life right now, the answer is in here. The answer is in this book. And I know, uh, I know someone one time, they told me that their grandfather, grandfather was full-blooded Indian, said the, the amazing thing about him is he could sit down in a chair, sit down in a regular kitchen chair and put his hands flat on the ground. That just blows my mind. His arms are so long, he could put his hands flat on the ground sitting in a kitchen chair. But he was illiterate, couldn't hardly read, barely could read. And someone gave him a Bible. He knew nothing about the Bible. He'd heard a few things here and there growing up. But he was Indian. He didn't know a whole lot about the Bible. So he started reading this Bible. And they, back then, they ate dinner together every night. They'd come to the dinner table and the whole family would eat together. And they would talk about a few things as they are eating. And said so he came to the table and he said, I read this Bible from front to back, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Don't understand it, can't even understand half the words in it. Do not understand this Bible, but I'm gonna read it again. Something inside of him made him feel like I have to read it again. It challenged him to read it again. So a little time goes by, he comes out and he sits at the table and he said, I read the Bible for the second time. Starting to understand a little more, starting to understand some of the words, still don't get it, still doesn't make sense. Some of it I just don't see how it could even be possible. So, but I'm going to read it again. Read it again. That's what he said. I'm going to read it again for the third time. Third time he read the Bible, he came into the table and he sat down and he said, I read the Bible for the third time. And he said, I understand it now. He said, I understand this. Every question and every problem to this, in this world is in this Bible. The answer to anything going on in your life is in this word. And that is the absolute truth. If you have any issues, any questions, anything that you need help with is in this Bible. It's in here. So if you're like me, maybe you need help with your tongue. Maybe you need help with your mouth. And you may not be like me. And I hope you're not. But I've been around a lot of people in my life, and I'd have to say that 99% of them at some time or another have some kind of issue with their tongue, <laughs> some kind of issue of saying things that they shouldn't say or wish they didn't say or don't want to say, but they end up saying out loud anyway. So I think it's quite obvious that every single one of us, no matter how mature, how perfect we are in Christ, how perfect we think we are in Christ, we all have an issue with our tongue. 
especially if we have an anger issue. If we have an anger issue, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> it's going to come out, right? But what we do with it is what really matters because you can say things to people that can really hurt their lives and affect their lives in such a major way. People kill themselves over things that people say and think about them. Social media today, it's horrible how people get on social media and bash somebody. But what bothers me more than anything is that the person that's getting bashed on social media feels pressure so strong that they feel that they have to take their own life. Now that's, that's sad, that's terrible. We don't wanna be that person. We don't wanna say something that will affect somebody. We don't know what somebody's going through in their lives when we talk to people. So we need to take that into consideration. It says here in God's word that that we should look at each person as a child of God, made in the image and likeness of God. If we look at people like that, we might talk to them different. If we look to people like that, we might treat them different. If we look at them that this person, no matter how vile, no matter how rude they may be, no matter how they may act, they're still a child of God. And they're still made in the image and likeness of God, which means they still have a chance to become a Christian and live a good life and experience the best, of, best that God has to offer. But if we jump on the bandwagon and do like everybody else does, and just write them off, walk away, or insult them and, and say bad things to them, then we're not helping the cause in any way whatsoever. We're actually adding to it. So Proverbs 6.18 says, pride goes before destruction. Now I'll tell you, Proverbs, I wanna, I wanna encourage you to do this. If you're new at reading your Bible, read the book of Proverbs. You can find one proverb for every day of the month. So just, it's that simple. Just say, hey, you know what? This is the, what is it today? The 21st, 22nd, 21st, 22nd? <laughs> That's terrible. That is terrible. Okay. So, so I'm laying it on the table today. <laughs> That's one of my problems. Okay. So it's the 23rd. Start today with the 23rd Psalm. I mean, Proverbs. Start with Proverbs 23. Tomorrow, read 24, and so on and so on. And it will, it will make such a difference in your life to something as simple as that. If you'll take 15 minutes a day and read God's Word. Now, it, I know that 15 minutes is not a problem. I know giving up 15 minutes in your busy schedule is not a problem. I know that. The problem is getting ourselves to think about it, stop what we're doing, and take the time to do it. And for me, I've learned, and I learned that in this church when I first started here, I was working in ministry at another church when I came here. When I came here, I just kind of started laying back. I was enjoying going to church. I'm just kind of sitting back and enjoying the ride, you know. And I uh, got invited to a Bible study. And uh, the man that was giving the Bible study, his dad, he said, I'm 70-something years old. And he said, I read the Bible every single day. And I just set my head down like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm working in ministry. I can't tell you. At that time, I couldn't tell you I read the Bible every day. I, I, sometimes it might be a week between reading the Bible. And my wife will tell you this all the time. She could tell of my attitude when I'm not reading the Bible. When I'm not studying the Word, it affects my attitude, which in turn affects my mouth, my tongue. Imagine that. So when I heard this guy say that, I thought, man, I, I've got to start reading my Bible. This is just, I, mean, I was ashamed. I was ashamed and embarrassed that I worked in ministry and I didn't read my Bible every day. And he said, I struggled with reading my Bible every day. And I thought, well, okay, hit me. 
tell me something because I'm there, you know. And he said, so what I have done and what I had to do is he said, I had to find a time of the day in my house where I could read my Bible uninterrupted. Now, for some of you, that's tough. Got a lot going on. Got kids and grandkids or whatever. But he said, I, found a, I had to find a time of the day that I could sit and not be interrupted and give 15 minutes. Give 15 minutes. He said, for me, that time was first thing in the morning before I go to work. So I thought to myself, you know, that's probably me. Probably first thing in the morning. Because in the evening, if I wait till 8.30 at night before I go to bed, I'm going to fall asleep head first into the Word because I'm exhausted and I'm wore out. But first thing in the morning, there's nobody stirring. You know, it's four. I, I used to get up at, a, well, at my other job is different. But I used to get up and say I got up at 4.30. So I decided I'm going to get up at 4.15. All I had to do was add 15 minutes to the schedule I already had. And what I found... And that's been, that's been over 12 years ago. When I found that when I started getting up at 15 minutes early, it wasn't enough. It got to where I wanted to be up 20 minutes early, 30 minutes early, hour early. Because I was in, there's times when I've been almost late to work because I get into the scripture so much, I don't want to stop. I've actually had to set my alarm twice, once to wake up and once to stop studying. That's how good the Word of God is. But we have to dedicate ourselves every day, 15 minutes, even just a book of Proverbs, 15 minutes a day, and it will change your life. I promise you it will change your life. And in that, it will change your attitude, and that will change the way that you speak to other people. The way you think about other people is the way you're going to speak to other people. And uh, I'm challenged with that this week, and we know this. It's going to happen every time. When you're, when you're going to do something for God, especially when you're going to get up here and preach the word of God, you're going to be tested. You're going to be tested. I've never, I've never preached a sermon where I didn't have an opportunity to practice what I preach. So I'll tell you this week, I have had some opportunities. <laughs> this week has been one of those weeks. I'll tell you, I was, talking to, I was talking to my buddy Jeff this morning. I said, I'm going to tell you, brother, this week has been... <laughs> It's been like one, one, you know, snowball effect after another. It's just been one after another. And he said, you know what? He said, if you weren't doing something for God, the devil would leave you alone. It wouldn't bother you. Be no threat. Be no reason to bother you. So if you're having str problems and you're struggling and it just seems like sometimes you just want to pull your hair out, good for you. Good for you. You're in God's will. <laughs> you're doing what you're called to do. It's not a comfort zone, just like the horse's bit. It's not comfortable for the horse to have that bit in his mouth, especially holding his tongue down. And sometimes a horse will try to put his tongue above the bit and will almost choke himself to death because that's our nature. We just want to do what we want to do. But let God grab, grab hold of our tongue. Let him grab hold of our lives. So we talked earlier about the fire in, uh, in verse 5. It says, so also the tongue is a small member that boasts of great things. How great is a forest set ablaze by such a small fire. Think about it. Every big forest fire we've ever seen, every big, massive, destructive forest fire we've ever seen was started by one spark, one small fire. It says, verse 6, it says, And the tongue is a fire in a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, uh, staining the whole body, setting, the fire, uh, setting on fire the entire course of life, and, and, the, and set on fire by hell. The tongue is a fire. 
is, and as in its nature, it's a fire. In our nature, it's a, the tongue is a fire. It, it'll burn you. And it says, setting on fire, or it says the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. What you say will affect who you are. It will. And it will definitely give other people impressions of who you are. And I've told stories before and, uh, where I've witnessed to people, witnessed to people and tell them about Jesus and tell them they need to get saved and, and just for years just try to just, just share the glory of God with them. And then one day have a bad day and say something horrible and that's the only thing they remember. <laughs> it might not be the only thing to remember, but it's the only thing they will remind me of uh, that I said to them. So keep that in mind. What you say affects people and they remember it. And, and with your walk in Christ and you being a witness in God, what you say affects the lives of other people. And on the other side, on the flip side, what you say positive can help other people. And, and not even so much what you say, but how you live. Well, whatever's in the heart is going to come out of the mouth, rolling over the tongue. So if our heart's not in a good place that day, guess what? I heard a preacher one time said that, that getting involved with negative talk. Now, yeah, who's ever done that? Who's ever been at work and somebody's like, and I'm sitting there minding my own business and my ear will just perk up. You talking about this situation right here? I tell you what. I'll tell you what. That's wrong. And then next thing you know, you're bashing somebody, you're talking about somebody, you're backbiting somebody. And it's like you don't intend to start off that way but before you know it here you are right in the middle of it I heard a preacher one time he said it's like it's like somebody throwing up and somebody throws up and say like they throw up on your shoe and you look down and you see it and then you feel bad you feel a little queasy and then you throw up and then the next person around you throws up it's kind of like, it's, it's like it's like a fire it's contagious someone starts a spark and I promise you there's someone in your life going to start a spark every single time Every single time. Somebody's going to take a match. Somebody's walking around like we used to take matches on boxes and flip them at each other when we were kids. I shouldn't tell you all that, especially kids. Somebody out there, somebody out there flipping matches and setting something on fire. Somebody's going to set a house on fire. If they ain't careful, then you're going to be in real big trouble. So listen, the tongue is a fire. It says here in verse 6 that the tongue is a fire set on fire by hell, by Hades, by the devil himself. Why do we say the things we say? Why do we do the things that we do and then regret them later? Because it's not us in our heart. It's truly not coming from us. It's coming from Satan. And it's where we are at that time, whether we're connected and closer to God or whether we're drifted and spending more time on social media other people in little water fountain groups at work. So many different things that draw us and distract us from God's will and God's connection is where we get ourselves in trouble. It's not us that hurts people and says things that hurts people. It's Satan working through us. And Satan can't work through us if we're connected to the Father, to the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the key to this whole scripture is stay connected. Stay connected to the Word of God, to the Holy Spirit, and to Jesus in prayer. Stay connected. Surround yourselves, just like today, with godly people. It will change your life. 
We've seen, I've seen that so many times. The people you hang around with make the world of difference in your life. So there's three basic elements to fire. There's fuel, there's oxygen, and heat. Without any one of these, there's no fire. You don't have fuel, no fire. Oxygen, no fire. Heat, no fire. You can have each one individual by itself, but if you can't connect the three together, you cannot start a fire. Fuel, opportunity to join in. There's always going to be an opportunity to join in, to add fuel to the fire, to put fuel out for the fire, peer pressure, being judgmental, those sort of things, things we need to keep on our minds. Oxygen, feeling when I'm right or wrong. Sometimes when you feel you're right about something, you have a right to tell someone how you feel. You have a right to point in their face and say, you're wrong, I'm right. You have a right to be mad. And then that turns into anger. Anger turns into sin. Sin turns into hurtfulness. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Do not let the wrath, no, not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't go to bed mad. You go to bed mad, you wake up mad. But listen to this. If we feel we're right, we feel we have a right to say things. We feel we have a right to say whatever we have to say to get the point through to you to understand that I'm right. But you're also saying you're wrong. But you know what God put on my heart about three weeks ago, when I, three or four weeks ago when I started studying for this, this passage right here? I was going through something. A good friend of mine at work was going through something. Mine was minor compared to what he's going through. But I was going through something, and I was thinking about this, this passage. And then I got to thinking of my friend, what he's going through. And God laid this in my heart. It's better to be righteous than right. It's better to be righteous than right. You don't have to prove to everyone that you're right all the time. Even if you know you're right, it's better to be righteous than right. Because when you prove to somebody that you're right, you insult them, and then it tends to turn into something much, much worse through the tongue. But if you're righteous and you can concede to yourself and say, you know what, I know I'm right here, but is it worth it? You know the saying, choose your battles. And you know what I found out too? Sometimes I, I stood my ground and stomped my feet and said, I know I'm right. And then later on find out I was not right. I was wrong. <laughs> now that'll hurt you. That'll get you right there. It's better to be righteous than right. It's better to love someone, to draw someone closer to you and help them pick them up than to prove you're right by putting them down. It's always better to be righteous than to be right. Pride is the problem with that. Equally, equally, see, love your neighbor as you love yourself. God's, Jesus said, I give you two commandments. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. The second one is this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, we have heard that. A thousand times. How could you not? It's, it's Jesus only gave two main commandments. All the other ones rest on these. Well, how do we, how do we react to that? Have you ever taken inventory? I heard a preacher one time say this. Have you ever taken inventory on your life, on yourself, and asked yourself, do I treat my neighbor as good as I treat myself? Man, that got me. I started, I started paying attention to what I was doing and what I was saying, and I realized I, uh, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I treat my neighbor like I treat myself or how I would want to be treated. 
I don't think so. If we would look at every single individual as a child of God, as someone that was created in the image and likeness of God, but somehow lost their way, if we would look at people and imagine them burning in hell, I think it would change the way we treat them and the way we witness to them. I know it has for me. I lost a brother who's burning in hell today. I can never get that image out of my mind. It stays with me constantly, constantly. And I think I will not miss an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus, knowing where he's at right now. And I tried, I, I, I tried, you know, I did what I could, but, but in the back of my mind, I feel I could have done more. I should have done more. But all I know is I'm not going to miss an opportunity to witness to somebody about Jesus Christ with nothing else than just being kind and saying nice things. I don't want to stand before God. Remember in the beginning of the scripture, it said that as teachers, we will have a stricter, have a stricter uh, judgment. There will be a greater strictness for us. There'll be a greater judgment for us as Christians. I don't want to, st- I'm going to stand before Jesus and I'm not going to tell him. He's going to tell me. He already knows every wrong thing I've ever done. And trust me, that list goes from here to Highway 78. Everything I've ever done, he knows it. That's not what he's concerned about. What he's concerned about is, what have I done for others? I don't have a problem standing before God and answering for what I've done and the mistakes that I've made. But I don't want to stand before God and say that I let you down or that I didn't help you out in some way or that something I said affected your life in a way that you never went to church or never picked up the Bible because of it. I do not want to stand before God and answer for that. And I know you don't either. So let's think about that. Let's take that with us as we leave here today. If you've, been, if you've not been saved and baptized, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and to be your Lord and Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. Do that today. You know in your heart if you have or haven't. You know in your heart if that's something that God's called you to do. You know. You know it's the right thing to do. I tell what kids at the tent center, I tell them all the time, I said, you know, I said, I knew that I needed Jesus. For 20 years, I backslid. I turned my back on God. For 20 years, from 13 to 33, I ran as hard and as far as I could, just like Jonah. I tried to hide from God. I moved to California, of all places. Now, I'm not from California, so please don't say, well, you're from California. I get that all the time because I lived there for a short period of time. I left Oxford. And I went to California because I had to get away. I had to get away. And I was running from God so hard, just it, it was like the farther I could get away from God, the more I could do what I wanted to do. So for 20 years, I ran from God and tried to hide from God's word and what I knew was right, what I knew was right. But God never left my side, and he constantly had people coming to me and telling me about Jesus, even when I didn't want to hear it even when I was not nice about the way that I treated people when they approached me. God never took his hand off of me. How we talk to people, how we share the gospel to people will change their lives. It's because people cared enough about me to keep on telling me about Jesus, keep on inviting me to church, keep on praying for me. It's because of that that I'm not dead and in hell today, that I'm here today because God touched me as a child 
The Bible says, train your child in the way you should go and they'll not depart far from it. We will come back to the gospel. If you have a child or you know someone that's struggling and doesn't want to hear the gospel, keep training them, keep telling them. They will come back to it. Especially if they've been saved, they will come back to it. And God's waiting for them with open arms. I'm not going to go into great detail about all the different ways that we can use our tongue, how many different ways our tongue gets us in trouble. We all know that. You know how in your own personal life, you know what problems you have in your life, what you need to work on with your tongue and your mouth. So I'm not going to sit here and, and, and lay it all out. I'm not going to point fingers, and I'm sure not going to judge anybody because I promise you <laughs> this is speaking to me today. And I hope that it's speaking to you. And I hope that you'll hear it in a way that it impacts your life, that you won't leave here tomorrow and walk into the world and be the same person and do the same thing. I hope that some way, in some, some manner, that when you go into the world tomorrow or even this afternoon, I pray that this will help you to be stronger, to be a better person, to be nicer, and to control your tongue only by trusting in Jesus Christ. No man can tame the tongue, but God can. And the only way that can happen is to be connected. So if you're not connected today, if you haven't asked Jesus your Lord and Savior, they're going to be elders down front. They just want to walk with you. They want to help you through. They want to help you to understand what it means, what it, what it is, what it's about, what it takes. But it's so simple. If you're ready to give your life to Christ and you're ready for him to come into your life and make it a better life and to change your world, he's waiting on you. And there's no better time than now. There'll be elders down here. We'd love to talk with you and walk you through that and pray with you. If you're struggling with your tongue, and you may not even realize it to today, you might have thought, that's just what I do. But sometimes it happens. But it doesn't have to be that way. So if you're struggling with the tongue and the things you say, I'll be down here, and if you don't come, I might be praying by myself. I might have the elders pray on me over this, because I'm telling y'all, we're none of us are above what this scripture is talking about. The tongue is an untamed fire from hell. And if we're not connected and we don't understand that we have a problem, it will never change. And it will continue to affect the lives of people, and it will cheat them out of the goodness of God. If there's anything at all on your hearts, on your minds, or if you just want to, sometimes what I do is I'll just simply come down here, lay down on this altar, and say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for saving me, changing my life, and making me the man who I am today. Not perfect, but loved and full of love for each and every one of y'all. I want to close this out in prayer. But as I do, I want you to ask yourself, is there anything I need today? Anything that I need that only Jesus can provide? Anything on my heart? Any, any issues in my life? Things are out of my control. Do you need to talk to Jesus today? You don't have to come to the altar. Do it right there from your seat. Do it from your house. Do it from anywhere. But know that there will be elders down here that will walk with you and stand beside you and pray with you. If you want them to pray with you, just come up to them. If you don't, just, just go, go on your own. Pray from your seat. But if there's anything you need from Jesus today, he's here. He says, where there's two or three gathered together, I am in the midst 
there, there I am. So if you need something from God today, these altars are open. Come on. Come on. Ain't got a saying where I come from. If you're coming on, come on. Come on. Come on down. Thank you all so much for having me here today. Thank you for the love that you show me and my family each week. You don't have any idea what that does for us and how that touches our hearts and our lives. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church, and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. And we would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon. 